What's up, everybody? How's everybody doing today? I am Safety Scissors. And I'm Duct Tape. And today we're chatting about music. Literally, like, my favorite thing right? ever. <laughs> I, uh, I don't know about you, which I'm, I'm, I'm assuming, based on your chosen path in life, that you were a little bit of a music fan. Uh, yeah. I loved so many different genres, and music kind of defined who I was. Yeah. I was one of those kids that was very defined by music okay back in the day like you looked at me and went oh that girl listens to punk rock that mm -hmm. girl listens to the alternative station <laughs> and it was it was pretty easy to see everyone knew everyone knew what you were into huh? yeah but just by the way i dressed and i think that that's a thing from back in the day because mm -hmm. i know we talk about the 90s is what this podcast is about right mm -hmm. so back in the day you could just look at somebody and kind of know their general music taste based oh, yeah. on what they're wearing oh yeah Nowadays, it's a little harder to tell. Mm -hmm. Like, I was in class yesterday, and I was trying to do, like, a Halloween-themed mm -hmm. dance for my TAP students, and I did uh, Dragula by Rob Zombie. There we go. And one kid in the class was so, like, into it. Uh -huh. They were like, oh, that's my favorite. I love Rob Zombie. It is not the one I expected. Like, there's a, there's a super alternative girl who wears, who has, like, crazy colored hair mm -hmm. and always wears, like, a band hoodie wasn't her hmm. and then there's another one who has like super dark eyeliner all the time and it's just really just an off the beaten path kind of person mm -hmm. was not her hmm. it was one of the cheerleaders wow i know i, I was not <laughs> expecting that i was expecting the girl in the corner with the flannel it was her no now, that was me <laughs> <laughs> um and it's crazy is because when we grew up in like the 90s and things like that the people who wore like the bright color hair the bright color outfits and just really larger than life were like the underground, uh, like, um, techno. They were a Marilyn Manson fan. Well, like, but that was but more also, of a muted, well, but, like, but like the bright colors and like the reds and the greens and like just the overall just looks like a bag of cotton candy. <laughs> I don't know that techno was that big where I was from. Oh, see where Not I was. Not a lot of people listen to techno. Where I was, it was like, that was like what they, they looked like. They that were was just, the alternative people. They were just hype and they were just like... Pfft. No, my whole group of friends was either like, oh, wow, I love Nine Inch Nails and Marilyn Manson, or, hey, punk rock is like the greatest thing ever, and they were honestly both right, and I kind of hung in both circles. Okay. And then I'm the girl over here that also liked like everything else, so. And I'm the same way, like like I was saying, I, I like everything. Like back then, I, I grew up listening to Motown with my, with my parents and my family, mm -hmm. um, but I was a huge fan of hip-hop. Mm -hmm. I was, can't tell by your hoodie at all. Right, I although you like, look like a styrofoam cup. I know. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, we saw this at uh, Plato's. Yeah, Plato's closet. <laughs> I was like, I don't care how much it is; it's mine. And it was only nine bucks. I yeah, like, yes, totally worth it. <laughs> um, but no, uh, I was a huge fan of just hip hop all around. I liked rock. I liked those things because that's what my family listened to, and I enjoyed spending time with them and listening to that. Um, to this day, I pretty much know every Diana Ross song, Motown. Any, if it's Motown, you know, um, what's it called? Also, uh, Michael Jackson, Justin Boys to Men, Boys to Men, anything like that. I know the words to it because that's what I grew up listening to. Um, but back to what I was saying about the multicolor. Now that's like the hip hop artists. The multicolor. Yeah, you got like Six Nine and things like that who wear yeah. like neon green and things like that so to be fair everybody has neon green hair like everyone nowadays oh wait can i just change the subject for a second and yes. be so angry uh -huh. when i was a young young wee bab okay wee bab. i wanted to dye my hair 
pink, blue, and blonde, like the dancer from Gem. Okay. If you watched the old cartoon Gem, there was a dancer. They would uh-huh. go visit her at her house, and she was just this amazing, whatever. I loved her, and I wanted to dye my hair blonde, pink, and blue. I think those were the colors. And I begged my mom, and she goes, no, no one dyes their hair colors like that. And now everyone dyes their hair colors mm-hmm. like that, and I'm just like, you're like, why didn't I get to do that? And I, then I tell that story and people are like, oh, well, why don't you dye your hair those colors then? You're old enough to make your own decisions. And I'm like, well, because now I'm on stage and I have to play Alice from Alice in Wonderland and Bubbles from Powerpuff Girls and you name a blonde, that's me. <laughs> so. And they can't, you can't have Alice with a blue dress and like purple and green and red Yeah, hair. it just, <laughs> it doesn't work. And I don't like to wear wigs on stage because I dance really hard. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah. If your if your wig stays on, you're not dancing hard enough. Pretty right? much. Pretty much. Yeah. So um, it's just easier this way. But yeah. So growing up, I I fit in more with the hip hop genre because mm-hmm. of just my the times and where I grew up. I wouldn't say I fit in anywhere growing up, really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I definitely had my taste in music, and okay. it was it was eclectic. Mm-hmm. I loved everything, but if I was just gonna sit in my room with my stereo on, with my little boom box on. Um, it was it was definitely playing either chick rock, alternative rock, or punk rock. Okay. Some kind of rock. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Mine, I, uh, I would have to say earlier 90s, I was definitely more, I, I listened to a lot of, you know, um, just hip hop. Honestly, I grew up just that. And then, uh, I was big into gangster rap. I thought it was the coolest thing because they were telling stories, and that's what I loved. I love storytelling music. You did say that. We had this fight. Uh, mm-hmm. Since we're talking about music, we might as well go all the way back to the Ooh. 90s and really discuss this fight. So there's a problem with Sean and I being as close as we are. Mm-hmm. I'm a Biggie fan, and he's a Tupac fan. It's true. And this isn't going to work out. Is That's the thing. I grew up listening to Biggie because my brother was really into Biggie. And I just love the music. I thought it had great melody, great harmony. Mm-hmm. And that's what I wanted out of music. And I realized you like Tupac. Why? Because Tupac was a storyteller. Yes. Everything that every <laughs> song that he had was telling a story about, you know, society and what was going on. And I love that. And I found that in other artists as I grew older and things like that. And then mid-90s me went on a completely different... (laughs) I I found a fork in the road and went a fifth way. You know? What? (laughs) I discovered underground hip-hop. I discovered Insane Clown Posse. I discovered Twisted, things like Anybody Killer, things like that. And I was hooked because it was hilarious. I didn't really care about what they were saying, but they were just funny. And I wanted to be funny. I always I always enjoyed humor. And that's what I got hooked into. And, you know, I'm over the years I, I've kind of gotten away from that. I still like some of the artists, but uh I I was black hoodie with the whatever oh whatever just came out all hundred percent the way. That was me. So back to the Biggie Tupac thing real quick. Mm-hmm. Um he likes Tupac because of the storytelling mm-hmm. and then totally gave that up to like ICP of all things. Who told stories. Yeah, sure. Very outlandish ones. But. And I really enjoyed Biggie, but then I went into, like my brother got me into like the old school 
what was it? Scatman mm. and um, Return of the Mac. Like songs like that. And then yeah. Biggie and Mace and Puff Daddy as he was back then. But now he's <laughs> P. Diddy or is he Puff again? I don't know. I think he's Sean Puff. Oh, gosh, now. I'm I done. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, you're a 90s kid if you've lived through every name for Puff Daddy. <laughs> so He was trying to keep up with Prince. I'm just waiting for yeah, Puffy to be a similar. The artist formerly known as Puff. Yeah. <laughs> like, but we've been through all of that and then we branched out. But I think we do have eclectic taste, mm-hmm. which gives us a lot to talk about when it comes to the music of the 90s. Mm-hmm. We didn't just like have our own niche. We really experienced mm-hmm. all of the music of the 90s. Like, okay, what... There's Okay, it tells a lot about a person to oh. talk about your first concert. Oh, <laughs> what was your first concert and is it indicative of your music taste? No, not at all. Okay. I went to my first concert because my mom really liked it was with my mom. I was like 7 and I went with my mom because she really enjoyed it and I I went with my mom and it was Amy Grant. I think it was the Heart and Motion tour. Please don't make fun of me now. I'm not going to make fun of you. What? Um, my first concert was Amy Grant, Heart in Motion Tour. <laughs> what? I'm not, my mom took me. She was like, do you like Amy Grant? And I was like, I mean, she's okay. Mm-hmm. And she goes, oh, well, I got tickets to the concert. I was like, a concert? I want to go. And that yeah. was my first concert. Yeah. Her uh, her music, like her main songs, like baby, baby. Yeah. It was just like really catchy. And you're just like, yeah, I'm going to groove to it. And I, I had such like, a good time with my mom at that yeah, concert. Me too. And that, Did, that's why I went with my mom. And you were in Ohio. Yeah. I and was I was in, in Florida. So there's mm-hmm. no way we went to the same concert. But mm-hmm. we literally had the same first concert experience. And it was probably... Within a couple of days within of a each couple other, of, honestly. No, because maybe it was, a week. Oh yeah, maybe but, a week and a half. But within the same month. They circle the US. You know what I mean? But yeah. like, because of the fact that it was the same the tour. The Heart in Motion tour. Yeah. It's, that's crazy. Yeah. That is absolutely crazy. Mm. So, okay. Not indicative <laughs> of my musical taste either. So what was your first concert that was your choice? Oh, no, he's Does laughing. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles coming out of their shells tour count? Does, no, no, it, that's cool. But no, I'm talking like a concert, a musical no. artist. Although the that first that one cool. that I chose. Yes. While you're thinking, my mm-hmm. first concert where I chose the artist was actually Weird Al. That was the first concert. I thought for a minute it might be Savage Garden, but that was like way later on. The first artist that I chose to go see personally was Weird Al Yankovic. And that is indicative of my musical taste because I love parodies. It's why my YouTube page actually has a couple because I don't prefer singing the actual song. I just want to make fun of something using a song. And yeah, Weird Al, such a good concert absolutely the best thing i've ever seen the first concert that i remember that i actually asked to go to Mm -hmm. was my uncle was going to go see the rolling stones and their uh their final farewell tour final their first one (laughs) and uh so i went with him and i had a blast to go see nice see yours is way cooler than mine like Mm. way cooler yeah. Well, it was their first of six farewell tours. Yeah. <laughs> or but seven. still, it's but Rolling yeah. Stones. Like, yeah. I think... We were, like, crazy far back, so Mick Jagger was, like, this big in my vision. <laughs> and was like, I think he's dancing. Oh, my gosh. 
But yeah, so it I think it says a lot about somebody mm-hmm. as far as like who they want to go see in concert, who they want to support in concert. Mm-hmm. And I also think it's just such a different experience today as it was in the 90s. Mm-hmm. I remember mosh pits were less organized back then. Mosh pits were not something that security was prepared for in the 90s. They kind of just happened and then security went, oh no. <laughs> and nowadays security is like in a specific place and they know, okay, people are going to mosh here. We got this. And it's like back in the day, that wasn't the case at all. People, people got hurt. They, they've had 20 years of, of strategy training. Oh, they've had longer than that. I mean, <laughs> but, mosh pits have been happening oh, since yeah. at least the 80s, if not earlier. Yeah. So. But yeah, they've had all these years of experience and they're training. They're like, all right, we need this person at two o'clock, this person at four o'clock. Yeah. We need the next but one at five. Wait a minute. Can we also talk about the fact that for my first concert, I probably spent $10 on the ticket versus today. I think I was going to go see Kane Brown before COVID happened. Mm-hmm. And those tickets were, I think, nosebleed seats were $75. Mm-hmm. And it's like, can we just talk about the fact that you used to be able to go see live music mm-hmm. for what now costs what is the cost of two cold brews <laughs> like or, or a, one cold brew <laughs> or a movie ticket you no it's gone, less than a movie ticket i know but you could have gone and seen a full-blown full-blown concert. live concert for the for less than the cost of a movie ticket mm-hmm. back then and you know what else there was hmm. more accessible back then it's just local like crappy band shows and I know there's probably lots of local shows around here, but like not ones that kids can go to. When we were kids, mm-hmm. I used to go to punk shows all the time. Oh yeah, there was. You always... can't find kid-friendly punk rock shows. I don't even know of any punk rock shows where we live, but you can't find kid-friendly mm-hmm. punk rock shows because they're all in bars. Yeah. So where are the parks that are just having like straight up punk rock shows? Mm-hmm. Where's that? That's mm-hmm. not happening anymore. Mm-mm. Yeah, I, but that's uh, a big thing that used to happen in the '90s. I remember, I remember like little garage bands that would have like they would go perform at like a bowling alley. Yeah, what or, happened to that? Yeah, and I, I want to go see was, some live music and not have to go to a bar. <laughs> right, I want to go play a couple rounds of bowling, listen to some 17-year-old kid scream his little butt off, and <laughs> and try. <laughs> Oh my gosh, one of my favorite days, uh, I went to go see a punk rock show at this like really, really nice theater, but it was outside of the theaters, mm-hmm. which is where the punks are allowed to go. We're not allowed <laughs> in the nice theater, but... They're like, please take off your punk attire and shoes. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, lots of things have changed. I, I do have a question. Mm-hmm. I asked you about your first concert. Mm-hmm. What was your first music listening apparatus? You mean like portable or like the boom box that sat on my dresser? Well, I think you just answered the not portable answer. Oh. <laughs> so the boom box that sat on your dresser was yeah. what you listened to. Mm-hmm. I remember getting one of those. It was three pieces and the speakers were separate. Mm-hmm. Like you could actually move them away from the Ooh. center. It was a big deal back then. Okay. You had surround <clears throat> sort of sound. <laughs> yeah. Like literally you could like move it around. And I was like, this is state of the art. And I'm like. Now I look back going, no, that's not. Um, now we have headphones that do that. <laughs> right? So that was my first thing mm-hmm. was the, the one CD on top mm-hmm. and then the cassette. And although I'm pretty sure my first actual music playing device was one of those like long, flat things that you could record your own voice on too. Yes, that was, that, that was probably my first one. I had one of those probably when I was little too. Oh my gosh. I don't know how many things I accidentally recorded over probably just trying yeah. to hit play. I'm sure I have a masterpiece somewhere that I recorded over. Sure. Um, but <laughs> it's just yeah, sitting first in the portable. First portable? Yeah. I had a Sony Walkman that had the front part that went boop, 
and you like, put the cassette tape in and close it. It was black. Like a taco shell? <laughs> yeah, basically. It was just like this chunky one side, and it's just little thin plastic thing that would just pop open, and you put the cassette in, and you, oh, didn't do it the right way. Had to turn the the cassette back upside down, turn right? it around. Every and time. It's, it's like it's like the wire for your uh, for a USB. Yeah. Nowadays, like you can't get it on the first try, so you flip it and it's not right, and then you flip it again, and then it goes in, and you're like, "Wait a minute, what happened?" <laughs> and so the Walkman did that all the time. You put it in, you close it, it won't close. You flip it, you're like, "Oh, that obviously wasn't it because it won't close." You flip it again, and it closes. You're like, "How did that happen?" You're like, "Never, uh, I don't care. I'm just gonna play it." But, <laughs> yeah, that was my first one, and uh, I remember the headphones were like those super skinny wire or like metal. Mm-hmm. And then with like the little like foam oh, gosh. pads that go over the, like the little plastic round ear things. And that probably where... cost 200 bucks. And you could hear more <laughs> of what was going on around you than, than the, the actual music. music. Yeah. Yeah. My first Walkman mm-hmm. was the yellow Sony Sport cassette Walkman. I wanted one of those so bad because they were yellow and they looked so cool. You clip them to your, uh, to your belt and you were like. I told my parents I needed one because of dance. I was like, I need to practice my dances. And if I don't get the one that'll, that, that's for sport, I'm not going to be able to practice my dances. And they were like, okay. And I was like, oh, cool. But yeah, I had basically the same thing mm-hmm. for a disc man, like upgrade, you know, when you get a CD, I upgraded to the sport, the Sony sport disc man mm-hmm. and with the anti-skip feature that never worked mm-hmm. ever. Ever. It skipped all the time. All it did was drain your battery more. Right? That and the bass boost. Bass boost. That's all it did. Bass boost. You get a little extra. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. But, that's about it. <laughs> yeah, I had I had my black um, Discman. It was, Iowa was the brand. A-I-W-A. Mm-hmm. Um, and this thing, it, it was, I remember it was like, when I opened it for, I think my birthday or something, I was like. I am the coolest kid on earth. And then I go to school and everybody's has them. And I'm like, my mom won't let me bring it to school. Mm-hmm. And they're all like jamming in the hallway. And I'm like, okay, I'll listen to my, my cassette tape. Okay. So you know how people talk about old nineties things mm-hmm. that are just, that make us feel super old. Mm-hmm. Did you ever actually have a hit clips? Cause I didn't. I did not. I used to press are we the button. The only two nineties kids that didn't have a hit clips. I didn't see the point because I think when they came out, I already had like a cassette tape the Walkman. or a Walkman or a, yeah, um, yeah. And but, I was like, why would I pay again for the song I already own on cassette? I remember going to like Toys R Us and they had them and you could test them. You press the button and it'd play like forty seconds of the song and you're like, eh, oh. Do you remember going to Fye or mm-hmm. what was it called back then? The music store in the mall. We had coconuts. No, that's not what I had. Like oh. Sam Goody or oh, we something? Had, we had, I don't know. Do we have Sam? I know, I know what Sam Goody is. I it's, don't think we had one. It was FYE like 10 years ago, but it was something else before that. Do you remember going to those stores and like searching through the $1 cassette mm-hmm. single bin? Mm-hmm. And that's how I found Unbreak My Heart by Tony Braxton. <laughs> that's like, I never would have known that that song existed, but then I was like, oh, it's a dollar. She's pretty. And mm-hmm. then I put it in my thing. I was like, wow, she's really upset. <laughs> <laughs> I used to go and buy the singles on cd mm-hmm. i would get that too um at the point that i was actually starting to buy a lot of music i was djing oh and yeah so the singles had the track it had usually the radio edit it also had the instrumental and the acapella mm-hmm. so i could easily mix them in from different ones nice sometimes it even had a pre-made remix oh yeah sometimes so it had cool. like the, like the club mix and like yeah they, like, got one of their local people that yeah yeah so okay Good question coming. Mm. What was your first CD? 
Shoot. Single and full album. Let's rewind. What was your first cassette? Oh, crap. Um, You first. Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. Nah. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. I'm a big fan of Marky Mark. I hate to do this, but I honestly don't remember what my first cassette was. But I bet you anything it was something like Phil Collins or I'm, – I'm sure I got it from my brother mm-hmm. is the thing. So it was probably Phil Collins or it was uh, Chicago, which is also – no, Genesis was Phil Collins or like Chicago or um, maybe Return of the Mac. I don't know. Um, I saw Chicago in concert as a kid. I'm so jealous right now. (laughs) I'm really freaking jealous. Um, But yeah, no, it's definitely, it was one of those, Mm -hmm. I'm sure, or like a jazz Mm -hmm. cassette, because I would have gotten it from my brother. I'm surprised it wasn't like Madonna. The first one, uh, I definitely had that on cassette. Honestly, that might have been it. I was the biggest Madonna fan. I memorized every song, every word of every song, and the dance moves for everything Mm -hmm. that she had a video for on her Immaculate Collection album, which can I tell you is like 20 songs long. I still know all the words to that whole album. Like we'll just be sitting at a restaurant, you know, pre-COVID and like uh, Papa Don't Preach will come on and I'm just like, this is my jam. (laughs) And he's like, every Madonna song is your jam. I'm like, I know. (laughs) But let me ask you this. Did you sit in front of the TV to record the uh, music video on a VHS tape? Or did you... Just watch the box or I TV the box. over and over again and I hope watched, that it came on to learn the choreography. I loved music so much that I watched the box every day. Mm-hmm. And I preferred the box to MTV. Yes. And for anyone out there that doesn't know what we're talking about, because you might be a little too young for this, but um, MTV had music videos for a little while. And then they decided that reality TV was the avenue in which they were going to go. And then VH1 came mm-hmm. out with the box. Right? I don't remember who came out with the box, I don't think it was but it VH1, was a random channel. Yeah, the box came out. It was everyone's answer to what happened to MTV's music videos. Mm-hmm. And you basically could watch the box. It took requests. Mm-hmm. And you could just watch all day. There was just music videos all day. It was like YouTube because you could request it, but like it wasn't accessible at their fingertips. You literally had to just be on that channel. But if you wanted music videos, I had it playing while I was asleep. It was a video jukebox. Yeah. Where you could call in and pay like $1.99 or 99 cents or something to request a song. Yeah. And then like two hours later, your song would come up. Mm -hmm. But it's kind of like requesting it on the radio, I guess. But you get a video with it. I remember watching the box. And do you think about the box? Focus. Look at your TV that you had growing up. Mine was that ugly brown. Mm -hmm, Same. Um. Name two videos you 100% saw all the time on the box. 100% saw all the yeah. time? I can name them. Thriller. Okay. I absolutely always saw Thriller on the box and Everybody by Backstreet Boys. Always Be My Baby by Mariah Carey. Oh, yeah. That that's, was always there. That's the one where she's in the uh, camp, right? Mm. Yeah. That one and... Um, Everybody was always on there. Every I I know the whole dance <laughs> for anyone who's on Spotify or whichever podcast streaming. I just did like the little arm movement that mm-hmm. they do. So yeah, yeah that, I know uh, the whole dance. Yeah, um, I remember the box because it was just really cool because it would just be playing while I'd be drawing or whatever. Also and playing video games. Almost. Are you that somebody by Aaliyah was always mm. on the box. Yes. Every day that video, I I memorized that video. I definitely. There's a few videos I saw more than the others, but okay. yeah, and but... Destiny's Child Survivor. Oh yeah, that, that was awesome. always on. 
And can we just talk about music videos actually making sense? Hmm. Because they don't anymore. Mm -hmm. The music videos are never actually about the song. Back in the day, they were at least related to the band, if not the song. Mm -hmm. And nowadays, you're like, oh, yeah, this this song is about... And then you name one thing, like this, I don't know, peace and love, right? And then the video's about cheeseburgers. And you're just like, I don't understand what's happening right now. <laughs> Why are there cheeseburgers? But I love them. But um, yeah. Well, peace and love, I guess. Peace of cheeseburger yeah. love. <laughs> All right. So we know what our first cassette was or mm -hmm. possibly was. And you asked me what my first CD, CD was. Yeah. My first CD single was Barely Breathing by Duncan Sheik. And my first full CD was Jagged Little Pill by Alanis Morissette. And I know every word to every song on that CD. I love Alanis Morissette so much. <laughs> I think. I'm trying to remember my first CDs because most of my stuff was on cassette for the longest time. Uh, my first actual CD... I remember getting Tony Braxton "Unbreak My Heart." I remember getting that. Why are we CD. so similar? And uh, because I was big into R and B and mm -hmm. I love those songs, but I remember R and B that. isn't that for old people? Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> That's sorry. I was saying a line from our Noise Complaint '90s show. That line makes half the audience so mm -hmm. angry, and then the other half going, "What's R and B?" <laughs> um, it was either that or. Also, I did have a baby one more time uh, cassette that my mom got. Mm. I think it was my mom's. I wasn't a big fan of Britney back in the day, but now I really like Britney. Mm. But no. Um, it was I, more of a Christina fan. Yeah. I think, my, I think my first CD that I remember having, nope, I know what it was. What was it? Ice Ice Baby. Of course it was. I, because I, it's I just, Sean. Yes. So of course it was. Oh, I'm <laughs> still to this day huge Vanilla Ice fan. <laughs> okay. Another question? Okay. What album from the 90s shaped you as a person more than any other album? That's a big question. And this is one that a music person would ask. I think it, Jagged Little Pill, I think, is the one that shaped me the most as a person. But if I had, I have three that I could just tell you are part of why I am who I am. Okay. Jagged Little Pill, mm -hmm. Pieces of You by Jewel. That shaped my my state of mind. It changed. It shaped my outlook on the world, and mm -hmm. it made me the positive, wanting to spread a good message kind of person that okay. I am today. And also, like just seeing how you can help and trying to just be a good Samaritan. I okay. think that that's how that shaped me there. And then Dookie by Green Day. <laughs> it shaped me as just a little. I got gotcha. you. Punk. It's a wide. It's a wide mixture. That's awesome. Those three albums are the reason I totally respect rules, mm -hmm. but I am also going to need a very good explanation as to why I should follow it. Mm. <laughs> and it's Jagged Little Pill just helped me get in touch with my emotions. Okay. So yeah, those shaped me as a human being. How about you? I gave you all that time I know. to think I've been about it. To think. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's hard because I listened to so much different music growing up. Just one album that you know, and it doesn't have to be the album. It could just be one of, but just name one that had a huge impact on who you are today. Mm. It can be ICP. It's okay. No, it would be Twisted, <laughs> uh, Freak Show. Really? Because it basically most of the stuff in it is basically saying, I'm different, and it's okay. Because you grew okay. up different. Yeah, it's okay to be different. It's okay to not be like everybody else. You shouldn't be like everybody else. Be you. That's important for somebody who grew up so 
we'll call you unique. Mm-hmm. He, he grew up with things that made him very different from the other kids. Mm-hmm. And so having an anthem yeah. of somebody saying, no, it's cool to be different in like in your ear that that'll shape who you are Mm -hmm. and that'll spin your outlook on yourself to be a little bit more positive Mm -hmm. music back then could do that Mm -hmm. i don't see music today doing that Mm -hmm. and this is coming from someone who isn't just listening to music from the 90s i listen to everything Mm -hmm. i'm a dance teacher i'm a choreographer i have to listen Mm -hmm. to today's music and i'm just not seeing the inspiration and the messages and Mm -hmm. I, I'm just not seeing it in today's music. Today's music is very, I'm not going to say pointless. Not in the sense that you guys probably think. It's not pointless. Like, why even make it? I'm just saying it doesn't have a purpose mm-hmm. as far as influencing the listener. Mm-hmm. It's not created to help, influence, shape, redirect the listener it's created to entertain Mm -hmm. the listener and that's important Mm -hmm. music that is strictly made to entertain is fine but i'm only finding music that is made to entertain even somebody as different and unique and almost awkward in the same way that jewel and alanis morissette were as Billie eilish Mm -hmm. her music doesn't even send a a message as it it really doesn't Mm -hmm. it's and if it does, it's very hard to discern, which isn't helpful yeah. to the people listening to it. For I'm trying to think of an artist today mm-hmm. that really does that, aside from me being biased mm-hmm. but and saying Crew Shadows does because Rogue makes it a very big point mm-hmm. to positively influence his listeners. Oh, yeah. And that's the thing is, like we were saying, is back then – there was so much going on that people had a reason to tell everybody like what they, that they wanted equality, that they wanted to, you know, be a part of something that they wanted the the government to listen. They wanted all this stuff. It was a lot of music was either political or personal mm-hmm. where they had a message and they just wanted to be heard. Yeah. So a lot of it was just raw and just very, that's why please I love punk rock. Fix, please fix this world. <laughs> please fix the world. Like Fiona Apple was just mm-hmm. like, this world sucks. Yeah. Fix it. And you're just like, I love you. And um, There is somebody today. Oh. Halsey. Okay. Halsey never sings without it being important. Mm-hmm. As far as I know, every song I've listened to from her, and you don't have to agree with her, with her message, mm-hmm. but you can at least agree that she's spreading one. Yeah. Whereas you have somebody like, I mean, country artists are also spreading messages as well. So that's one of the reasons I've kind of fallen in love with country music because it it brings me back to what I love from music from the 90s. Mm -hmm. You have raw instrumentation Mm -hmm. and you've got messages in every song, almost Mm -hmm. every song. Maybe Beer Can't Fix is not the message I was looking for, but (laughs) Thomas Rhett, I love you, but not the message I was looking for. But I can't, I'm, I'm really hard pressed to see a good message Actually, no, Post Malone in mm-hmm. some of his songs, some of them not so much, but Circles. Mm-hmm. Circles by Post Malone. So I think it's like one song out of a hundred from today's artists versus back in the 90s, you had one song out of a hundred that was just about cheese on an album. Mm-hmm. Like you just, you get that perfect, soulful, spreading a good message album. And then there's one song that's literally just about like a sandwich or something. Mm-hmm. You're just like, Okay, there's the fun song on the album. But nowadays, you get a whole bunch of fluff mm-hmm. and then one song 
that means something. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I went off on a big tangent. I'm it's, very, very passionate about music. It's, I mean, even back then, it was hard to find a album like what was it Meteora by Linkin oh, Park, gosh, where it had good no filler songs, no filler songs, and each one of them. And for him, he wasn't trying to spread a message to change someone to like see the world in a more positive way. He was trying to spread a message that people could relate to mm-hmm. so that they could feel like they're not alone. Mm-hmm. And I remember for a little while, Linkin Park didn't make any music. Mm-hmm. It was a little while in like the late 2000s, Lincoln, or early 2000s mm-hmm. even. I don't even, late 2000s. Linkin Park didn't make any music. And somebody asked um, Chester and Mike, why aren't you guys making music? And they're like, we're too happy. <laughs> they literally said that. We're like, we're too happy. All of our music is based on personal struggle and emotional distress we're really happy right now it's really hard to write a song that speaks to our fans when we're happy so we had they had to wait until like you know obviously they could dive into their emotions a little bit so yeah i i definitely think that music back then was more about like you said spreading a message or telling people hey it's okay if you don't feel this way because there are people like me and like you that do feel this way and you, it's okay that you want to be heard. Nowadays, everything is so commercialized and yeah. everything has got a financial backing where, hey, let's talk about this, 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 but let's mention this car so that way this car can be in the music video so that way they pay us. Also, when you sign on to a record label, they can determine if your song is about what they want it to be mm-hmm. about. So you don't always have full control over what you're writing. And I know this by being in the music industry mm-hmm. and seeing firsthand what happens when you write a song and then everybody goes, yeah, no, you're going to have to change the meaning of this song because we need it to fit um, our sponsors. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, okay, no, but okay. And that's why a lot of artists that I know remain unsigned. Mm -hmm. They choose to remain unsigned because they want their work to be authentic. Like, not a shameless plug, but I'm going to talk about the book that my dad translated. Uh, My family has a book. I'll talk about it on another podcast because this is a kind of a depressing book. However, the point is that we didn't even submit this book to agencies, literary agencies, or publishers. Mm -hmm. We self-published and everyone's like, "This this is a big one. This could go far. Why wouldn't you submit it to publishers and literary agents? This could be huge. And we're like, well, on one hand, it would be great to be huge. No one in the entire universe is allowed to have a hand in what this book says Mm -hmm. because this is a translation of a diary and no one can change that. No one can add anything to it. We wanted it to be purely authentic. So we remained unsigned. We also remain largely unsold, (laughs) but... It, we weren't willing to compromise on that. And I know a lot of musical artists today who don't want to remain or who want to remain unsigned so that they can remain in full control. And like you were saying, there's a lot of artists that literally like, look at all these songs that I wrote. And the record execs will be like, oh, these are great. We'll look at these at a different one. But this is the songs that we have for you. Yeah, that happens a lot and, in the music industry today. Whereas mm-hmm. back in the day, it didn't. And then you've got you've got like middle of the road, almost small time bands that they write what they want to write. Mm-hmm. And like my favorite band, my favorite band has been around since I want to say like the early 2000s. So I guess I'm sorry. I'm a little later than this podcast is supposed to <laughs> be. Okay. But it's OK. It's been around since the early, early 2000s, I think. And what they write is all them. 
Mm-hmm. No one really has a hand in that. And that's why they're kind of staying on the small side. Because if they went huge, then people would have more of a say in what they get to write and what the kind of music that they make. Um, that their staying with their small label allowed them to experiment with different genres within their own band. Mm-hmm. And people, some people liked it, some people didn't. Just having that control. I think the music industry today versus the music industry in the 90s are two completely different animals. Mm -hmm. Absolutely different. And one of the reasons that this podcast is so wonderful for us is because we can pretend it's still the 90s when Mm -hmm. music was what we wanted it to be. Yes. I miss it. Mm -hmm. I miss the... I don't know. I almost feel like I had a conversation with Billy Joe Armstrong every time I listened to the albums. I feel like I was talking to him and he was talking to me and it was a, yeah, I totally see what you're getting, mm-hmm. Billy Joe. And he's like, thanks, Jen. But like, obviously I was just listening to the song. I hope it didn't really happen. But it did. A lot of the music back then really did feel like you were at your buddy's house and you were laying on the floor while he was like sitting in his bed reading yeah. something he's telling you and you're just like throwing a ball against the wall, just hanging out. And it feels like a conversation with him because you, it's like in movies when they make a joke and you're like, I've thought that before Mm -hmm. and you feel a connection (laughs) and we're not saying that commercialism wasn't around in songs back in the nineties, but it wasn't as necessity. It wasn't, it wasn't as prevalent and here's proof. Look at YouTube Mm -hmm. back in the early days of YouTube, you had people making videos and they would, you know, sure make money on ad revenue based on what you watched before the video. But now, almost every single video, I watched this one YouTuber, she's trying to grow her channel, almost every single video I've seen her release in the last two weeks, and that's about 10 videos, was sponsored. Every single one. So halfway through the video, she would interrupt the video to tell me all about this product. And I'm like, when did YouTube get to this? I am never going to interrupt a tutorial to talk about a product. YouTube is the new television. Yeah, but think about it. Instead of interrupting an album to just have Billy Joe go, Hi, this is Billy Joe Armstrong from Green Day here, and we're here to talk about miracle Grow or whatever. <laughs> I don't know why I thought of miracle Grow, but we're here to talk about this product. Mm-hmm. Instead, they're now embedding it in the music, and mm-hmm. they didn't used to. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's what we're feeling. Mm-hmm. But Back then, it was more like, like, take Vanilla Ice, for instance, as we talked about him earlier. He even said it in an uh, interview once. He goes, I absolutely hated the image that they gave me. Mm-hmm. He said, I had no say in it. They said, do you want to shave a line in your eyebrow, have this funny haircut, and wear this jumpsuit? We'll give you a million dollars. Yeah. Okay. He's like, yeah. I signed it. He goes, no hesitation. They want to give me a million dollars to do something stupid? Yeah. Okay. And, you know, back then it was more about like what the person was wearing when they were on stage to push those products. Yeah, oh, no, it wasn't Nikes, in the music. You know, it wasn't it wasn't they weren't necessarily saying in the music, yeah. "Oh, you should get these Nike's." You saw that artist walking in on, you know, what is it? Teen Beat or something. Oh my gosh, <laughs> and, Teen Beat. That's a whole other saw, episode, yeah, by the way. And you saw their their shoes or their outfit and you're like, "I want that brand." I have to have those shoes because this person is wearing those shoes. Hence why I had 10 pairs of platform sneakers. Thank you, Spice Girls. (laughs) But anyway, that is really, I think, Mm -hmm. where we have to leave off with this music discussion. Mm -hmm. But Well, if you guys checked out the last episode. Oh, yeah, that's right. We have a trivia question. We ended the the question, or we ended the um, 
podcast. Podcast episode. We're a podcast. With a question. <laughs> and the question was, what fashion accessory was invented by a high school shop teacher? The answer? Slap bracelets. High school shop teacher made slap bracelets. So I am very angry at that high school shop teacher because of the number of like red marks that I had on my arms because my friends thought it was so funny. To just run up and... <laughs> like, Shh. And then they do it in the middle of class and the teacher would look around and it's like you're the only one with a slap bracelet on their on your wrist. And, and so they like, get mad at you. And they're looking at you like, yeah. do you mind being quiet? I hope you guys really enjoyed this music discussion mm-hmm. with us today. Um... I am really passionate about music, so I can guarantee there's going to be a few more episodes mm-hmm. of the Safety Scissors and Duct Tape podcast mm-hmm. that involves music of the 90s. Mm-hmm. And if there are artists you want us to talk about, I was thinking about doing like old school album reviews Ooh. so we could talk about that. Mm-hmm. Today was just a general discussion mm-hmm. of like our first experiences with it, but I, I definitely want to dive into it deeper. Yeah. I'm such a music fan. I am too. I uh, I definitely, I will openly admit that I wasn't as eclectic as you are in your taste in music, but I definitely am a huge music fan, especially from that day and age. Everyone's allowed yeah. to have their own taste. My yeah. eclectic taste in music came from having so many different people in my life with different tastes, mm-hmm. and I respected everyone's taste enough to like try it out and then mm-hmm. go, oh, this is really good. But also, I'm just the kind of person that likes music for music. Yeah. If you say, hey, I have tickets to a concert, do you want to go? I most of the time I'm not even going to ask who it is. I'll just go because mm-hmm. I love live music. I don't care what the genre is. Mm-hmm. So and that makes yeah. sense. You ready for next week's trivia? Yes, question? next week's trivia question. And remember, if you know the answer, make sure you leave a comment below. Let's see, let's see if anyone knows. So this week's question is: What video game was the first ever to be played in space? So cool! That's so cool. Somebody played a video game in space. Like, shouldn't they be, like, doing space stuff? Like, like, I mean, right? Like, like, running a satellite, running a ship? Like, what, what should they, like, what are they doing? They're just like, we're going to play video games. Maybe they're playing Among Us. Ah. <laughs> I hope no one's sus on that. I know. Neil <laughs> um, Armstrong's looking kind of <laughs> sus. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Like, that's... well i hope you guys enjoyed this podcast Mm -hmm. today i am loving doing this with Mm -hmm. you please if you're watching this on youtube subscribe to this channel because we are just growing this thing Mm -hmm. and having a lot of fun with it and we have a lot of really really cool content that's out now or Mm -hmm. coming out soon so make sure that you subscribe hit that thumbs up button so other people can find this because visual podcasts are something really really fun Mm -hmm. on youtube and so helping other people find this especially people that miss the 90s and i think in 2020 Lots of people might miss the 90s. So hit that thumbs up. And if you're listening on Spotify or Apple or whatever platform you're using, then thank you guys so much for listening. And I hope we've made your drive to or from work much better. Now listen to some 90s music. Yes. And don't forget that if we talked about any subjects in this episode that you enjoyed or that you have that you want to weigh in on, make sure you comment below. Um, let us on know. YouTube comment below yeah. if you are not on YouTube follow us on Instagram and then talk to us there yeah. uh, just follow we really need to make an Instagram for safety scissors and duct tape we probably there should there might be one by the time this episode comes out so yeah. follow safety scissors and duct tape yes on Instagram and um, but yeah if you liked any of the stuff that we talked about or if you have like tell us what your first cassette tape please, was please I want to know CD. your first tape your first CD your first concert Ooh. tell us 
please, because maybe it'll make, give me a new playlist for my car. Let <laughs> us know, was your first concert Amy Grant Heart in Motion? I can't believe that. I, that's so funny. That's that, crazy. That within probably a month, we saw the same concert. That's amazing. Yeah. That's the 90s for you. <laughs> But anyway, so we had a blast with you guys. We can't wait to see you on the next episode. But I had a blast on episode four. Did you have fun? Oh, yeah. I had fun. But anyways, I'm Safety Scissors. And I'm Duct Tape. And we are out of here.